Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to help you understand those crises and hopefully prevent your own. Today, we celebrate case file number 50. The entire crisis squad is together in studio with me for the occasion. Dr. Abdul Omari is an inclusion and equity consultant. Dr. Cheryl Ziegler is a clinical psychologist who specializes in wellness in the workplace. Steve Silton is a business, entertainment, and sports attorney with Cozen O'Connor. Jennifer Hellman is CEO of Golf Public. She's a public relations and reputation management pro. We reunite for a topic that's perfect for our five minds to ponder, discuss, and maybe even find disagreement. Anheuser-Busch, Target, Starbucks. What do these brands have in common? The summer of 2023 brought them negative headlines connected with LGBTQIA rights. The Crisis Squad and I dive into this in the case file I call Gender Fluid. Things started unraveling for Anheuser-Busch after it sent a celebratory can of Bud Light to transgender TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney to celebrate her 365th day of womanhood. The can was one of a kind with her face on it. This was not an ad campaign. After Dylan posted a video of herself with the can thanking Bud Light, the backlash and boycott started. At last count, Bud Light has lost about $20 billion from the crisis. Target brought out products to celebrate pride. Altercations between employees and customers led Target to remove some of those products. Backlash ensued. Let me bring in the squad. Abdul, you're dealing with inclusion and equity issues all the time. What's gotten lost in this shuffle? I think the first thing that's gotten lost in this conversation in the backlash is everybody is tending to think of these as something that's only happening at Anheuser-Busch or only at Target or only at Starbucks, when in reality, these things are connected to a massive international movement that is happening. One of the things that is important when we even begin this conversation is to make sure that we know this is a microcosm of things that are happening politically, whether it's bills being passed, It's messaging that has been going on for a number of years. Religion is involved in this. Major divides across the country and world. So I think the first thing that I would say about what is being lost is that we should not only be thinking about Target, Anheuser-Busch, and Starbucks, but we should be thinking about the larger context that is leading to the crises that have ensued. All right. Good point. Jen, what I think is also interesting here is I think a lot of people in this narrative have lost sight of the fact that this wasn't an ad campaign between Anheuser-Busch and Dylan Mulvaney. They sent her a gift, but then that led to what has happened currently now as we record the last week of June. Anheuser-Busch is unveiling a new summer ad campaign featuring country music and football. They sent her a gift to purposely try to increase their audience and to increase their audience to a whole new group of people who they thought would consume their beer. But I think this all comes down to knowing your audience, not trying to be something to everyone, because in trying to increase the number of people who knew them, it was contrary to what their audience wanted, which is where the backlash happened. And then they got in trouble when they backtracked. And the same thing happened with Target. Target knows its audience. Target has been very, very good over the years. 
The problem came in when they went back on what they were doing. Companies and organizations need to get really clear on those values and let those values drive their decisions. If they try to be something to everyone, they just make people mad or they're nothing to anyone. Dr. Z, I'm sure there are so many psychological effects when these kinds of headlines are rampant, lots of different communities involved, the loved ones of people who were affected negatively. What can you share about the mental health angles on this? One of the things I think about is just as a crowd, right? What what people do when they're in groups. Really, a lot of these situations have gotten bigger and bigger. They've gained this momentum. And I know Abdul was saying, you know, oh, this is a bigger picture. But I do look at each and every one of these particular brands and their situations. And what I'm worried about is that there's this sense of, oh, okay, let's start piling on or let's start saying employees at Starbucks are going to boycott because some pride things were taken down when in actuality, it was really less than 1% of the employees that were doing that. So what concerns me is the way that people act when they get involved in groupthink. Within groupthink, there's this notion of, okay, we know a small fact about something, and now we've got larger groups of people really piling on, whether it's on the side of uh, the brands have done something wrong, they have offended certain communities, or whether it's on the side of we need to boycott those brands because they're doing something wrong. I'm not really sure even necessarily that everybody knows all the facts and details. Yeah. So, so many layers to this when it comes to the law, Steve. If we look at the Starbucks situation, there were some stores that did remove some of their heritage items for the month of Pride, but there were also union negotiations going on, and Starbucks and the union with some of the stores trying to unionize. So, I think some things got conflated in there. So, what really is the law here? There's so much to unpack here with regard to this issue, and you can certainly look at, as Abdul said, kind of the broader implications here. There has been a backlash against the LGBTQ community with regard to this issue as well as other issues. The MLB and NHL just essentially backtracked on all their players wearing pride uh, pregame jerseys. Not the players that- said we're not going to do it, right? Right. It goes all the way overseas where the EPL, there's some players that for religious reasons have claimed that they will not play in EPL games with the pride patch. And it's a very interesting issue. Legally, the question is, is this a civil rights movement? In other words, do we have to kind of stay the course and deal with the backlash to get beyond this? Or is this, at least to some extent, a social movement? And I think the jury is still out to an interesting degree with regard to some of these issues. This Dylan individual seems to me to be a social influencer even more so than she is some civil rights icon. Absolutely. And one of the things, Abdul, that Steve mentions, you know, is it social? Is it legal? Is it civil rights? But I'm also thinking about different groups. You know, I'm an Asian American. You're a black man. Should corporations, should brands be so, I want them to be sensitive. I want them to be inclusive. Don't get me wrong. But do we need a movement for every group? That's really at the core of this for me. Do we need a movement for every group? Yes. How? I'd be a billionaire if I knew. I do work in equity and inclusion, obviously, and there are some things that I just don't have the answer to. And how you do that in a way that is inclusive, a way that will negate or avoid any backlash, you will not. You will have the backlash. The thing that Jen mentioned, and then I think Steve was getting at too, which is so important here, though, is once you go backwards, 
now you've made more than one group upset. Now everybody's upset because first they were upset that you did it in the first place, right? And then you say, oh, wait, we made a mistake. Let me walk it back. And now you got the other folks upset at you again. And so I think what you mentioned, though, Jen, is so important around those values. You either need to go full force and stand behind what it is that you're doing or don't do anything at all. And Jen, you've taught us in past case files, be authentic, know your brand, don't risk your brand identity unless you really have a great reason and one that you can stand behind. We know, though, there is a compelling reason for organizations, brands to get into these social issues. We know that from a recruiting standpoint, today's generation of workers want to work at a place that aligns with their values. They don't trust that government is going to make substantial change. They don't trust that media is going to tell the stories appropriately. They trust businesses more than they trust any other entity. So people are saying, when I go and I choose where I'm going to give my time and talents, and by the way, we're in a workforce where we need them to choose us, they're saying, I want to work for a company that aligns with my values. So when controversial issues like this come up, they say to the employer, what do you think about this? Or they're looking at how you're going to respond. What is Target going to say when things get really tough? And they're trying to understand, are you still in alignment with who I am and who I want to be and where I want to work? So that's why it's important. It's important from an audience standpoint, but it's also important to your employees. Dr. Z, speaking of those employees, what kind of responsibility and what form should it take for employees to go to their employers to ask for what they want in these kinds of conversations? This is exactly what I'm starting to see when I'm talking to companies about bringing mental wellness into the workplace. I think there's a fine line between being really outspoken and almost becoming like activists versus saying, we support this. We support you. We support your family, your kinds of choices. We are an inclusive setting. I think that that's where this is getting, you know, conflated and really looking at both sides of this and saying, do companies have to be overtly making a stance and really being outspoken, or do they just need to support their employees in the types of choices and in the ways that they want to take time off, in the ways that they want to be counted as families? So for me, it's about companies really being very clear on how they can support their employees without necessarily saying that they're going to take a very outward public activist approach in doing so. There's so many ironies to this particular issue, not the least of which is the conservative backlash against Bud Light has brought a Mexican beer brand, Modelo's, into the number one beer brand in the world. We can talk about that in a minute. But one of them is, is this essentially knocked the Disney Florida story off the news, which essentially was the other side of this, where Disney essentially stood up to their LGBTQ employees against what was viewed as a reactionary policy by the Florida government under Ron DeSantis. So I do think there's an equilibrium there. And I think it's possible that Bud Light kind of violated that and went too far to one direction. I'm interested to hear what Jen has to say about this. I always think that, you know, earned media like this is always a good thing. This is a situation where maybe it's not a good thing. But Jen, also to be clear, they did not have an ad campaign. This was Dylan Mulvaney on her own did a video, which then got the backlash, which then Anheuser-Busch had to respond to. Right. The old adage that any publicity is good publicity, I don't believe anymore. When you see the numbers, the way that it affected their stock and their market share, 
I don't think it's been good for them. And what do you think about this new campaign? I watched some of the ads this morning. You know, it's like people running barefoot with a cooler and football and country music and really trying to appeal to who they know are their core target markets. Exactly. I mean, they're non-apologetically getting back to their core. And that's what they have to do to try to save this brand. Because it does come down to money. Absolutely. It always does. All right. I'm going to ask as we wind down, the time just flies with all of you. Think about if you were sitting there with any of these executives, Starbucks, Target, Anheuser-Busch, any to come, even the pro teams, what would you say is the one thing they could do tomorrow? Again, as you've said, if you had these answers, Abdul, we'd all be billionaires. But what is one thing that's proactive versus reactive? I think companies need to always be thinking two or three steps ahead. And in this case, there needs to be a plan and a strategy around it. You don't get to just dabble in social issues. We know that these are too hot, too emotional. And because of social media, they can be way too explosive to just try it. So in this case, where they were sending individual cans to an influencer who is very different than their core audience... I would hope that they would test that first. And it sure seems like they didn't because they seemed very surprised at the reaction that they got. We shouldn't be surprised by this stuff. You can bring in a focus group of people who are your core audience, who think lots of different ways and ask their opinion before we try to workshop it with the world. Right. Shouldn't be decided in a vacuum. You need to bring in some of those stakeholders. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Being deliberate with your decisions makes for very easy legal planning. Because if you know what the business folks are going to do, it's very easy to see the landmines and the obstacles. Business people generally tend not to work like that. They tend to be very spontaneous and entrepreneurial. But if you can get them to act deliberately, that's very helpful. And in the absence of having a focus group, which is a phenomenal way to approach this, you need to make sure that whoever is in that room making those decisions are asking the types of questions that you would be asking in a focus group. Because otherwise we're coming to the group think that Dr. Z was talking about where everybody's just sitting there and say, oh, you think that? Oh, good. Me too, me too, me too. And then you move on and you send out a can and this is what happened. And so it's important too, Dr. Z, that the people making those decisions are also all different kinds of thought leaders or experts, even, you know, would love to have you in one of those rooms, the clinical psychology piece of this, the brain element, the wellness elements. One of the things I think about is have they talked to their employees? Like at Target, they were saying they felt unsafe. And so who do you start with when you're a company? Do you first take care of your people and then worry about, again, what's happening in the public? We know that in the Target situation, their employees were saying that they felt unsafe, that they felt threatened by having certain merchandise in their space. So I think it goes back to companies really deciding, are we taking care of our employees first, or are we looking to the public and to the outward perception of what we think other people want and employee safety comes second? I think that's what they have to go back to right now, and they need to survey them. They need to have almost focus groups with employees first to decide what do they feel they want and need and what is the current climate. 
great thoughts from our entire crisis squad. Again, such a joy being with all of you together in the studio today to celebrate case file number 50. Thanks again to the crisis squad, Steve, Cheryl, Abdul, and Jen. They are the best in class in their respective fields. Case file number 50 is dedicated to our loyal listeners and new fans. Thanks for getting us to case file number 50 fans. Drop us a line with your crisis and questions. We're happy to dive in. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com. For the show archive and special videos, please rate and review The Crisis Files on wherever you listen so others can listen for crisis prevention information. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.